0: There's a lot of dumb narratives. There is. There's a lot of dumb narratives. And one of the dumbest is black people can't be racist. Are you crazy? Growing up in Gary, Indiana, black people were the most racist people, at least when I played basketball. But I'm not mad at anybody, but it's just silly, particularly in this day and age. The other silly narrative is that we got to go back to a few years ago when white people were just supposed to be quiet. Oh, yeah, we're all supposed to be quiet. Well, that ain't me. Cheryl Swoops did some talking. Stephen A. Smith criticizing the African-American coach. The world is crazy upside down. And you know what? That's the way we like it. Hey, join me. Don't at me starts when? Right now. Cheryl Swoops, you beautiful, actually not so beautiful, hunk of big-ass, big mouth, stupid. We love you, Cheryl Swoops. You're the gift that keeps on giving. First, you tell us that, well, Caitlin Clark used an extra year. She didn't. Shoots 40 times a game. She didn't. Cheryl Swoops is among the dumbest people ever and one of the most talented ever. Really, if you look at Cheryl Swoops' basketball history, she certainly should be considered among the greats. But all that goes away when you're inherently stupid. If you look at Cheryl Swoops' coaching career, abuse, abusing players. Who knows what Miss Crazy did at Loyola of Chicago when she got banished to the backwoods of podcasts, to the backwoods of blogs. That's right. That's where one of the goats of all time in women's basketball has been banished. Do you see Cyril Swoops broadcasting games? Maybe you do, but if you do, I haven't seen her. Why? Well, because she's a special kind of ugly, and I'm not talking externally. I'm talking internally. She's a special kind of Disgusting. So when she went at the little white girl, and let's be honest, we all know that she went at Caitlin Clark because she's a little white girl, little white heterosexual girl, and I think Swoops may be heterosexual too, but who knows. And that just pisses the old guard off. A little white girl coming in to college basketball, breaking records, going to be the number one pick, and getting all of this publicity. It has to be Racism. Swoops would cry. There has to be special treatment, so Swoops would lie. And next thing you know, Swoops got called out on it because, Cheryl Swoops, this isn't 2020. This isn't where people are afraid to stand up against some of the stupidity of both black and white people. Remember our friend Grant Napier who had a tweet that said, all lives matter and got fired because two of the biggest dummies in the history of sports, Chris Rebber and Boogie Cousins, got mad. And the Kings went and hired the worst human being in broadcasting, and that's saying a lot, Mark Jones, in a really good dude, Grant Napier's place. Well, this ain't that time. We now, all of us, black and white, are free to speak. We stand up. And good for Cheryl Swoops, she stood up. But Cheryl Swoops, when called out, went Cheryl Swoops, which is akin to going stupid. So here's what Cheryl Swoops had to say defending her lies about Caitlin Clark.
1: So for people to come at me and say that I made those comments because I'm a racist, like first of all, black people can't be racist, but like that's the farthest thing from my mind. Like I grew up in a very small West Texas town, predominantly white. My best childhood friend is white. Went to predominantly white. College, won a national championship. Pretty much everyone on the team was white. <laughs> Like we're sisters to this day, like like that's not a part of my DNA. Um, I have like no issues with Caitlin, her breaking the record. I think obviously is a tremendous accomplishment. Um, but I, I think what Caitlin has done for not just college basketball, but for women's basketball, period, I think has been great. The following people watching the game, sellouts that we haven't seen ever.
0: I have a black friend. His name is Reggie Jones. We go to lunch. I can't be racist. Well, black people are absolutely capable of being racist. You know, hey, white boy, I mean, how many times do you hear that? There is no more racism than Jalen Rose with his white boy wasted. I mean, I'm reading the code words every day. Are you kidding me? And it doesn't bother me. I just look at racist people, both black and white, as inherently stupid. And good for Cheryl Swoops for coming out and saying, hey, look, I got a white friend. I went to a white college. Well, you went to a white college because they offered you a scholarship down there in Texas. Anyway, the idea that black people can't be racist is inherently stupid. We hear it every day. Every single day we hear racism from white people. All you gotta do is turn on ESPN and watch the shows. And all you got to do is know any of the code words, and they're always there. Cheryl Swoops, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that Cheryl Swoops, when she lied about Caitlin Clark, wasn't doing it because of race. So then we have to say Cheryl Swoops is just evil, jealous, and, of course, stupid. I mean, listening to Cheryl Swoops speak, she's just stupid. Looking at, at, at what she said about Caitlin Clark, she's just stupid. Something inside the stupid makes the stupid say stupid things a lot whenever they're asked about something they're uncomfortable with. Everybody that is stupid, myself included, can hide our stupidity when we talk about something we're comfortable with. But a white girl in basketball breaking a record? Oh, my God, a.k.a. O-M-G. I'm uncomfortable with that. And the stupid immediately go to stupid comments. She had an extra year. She didn't. She shoots 40 times a game. She didn't. She's like 24 years old. She isn't. It's what the stupid do. I have studied the stupid because I'll tell you why. I think the most dangerous person, and I said this about a couple, one kid in particular that I coached at Indiana, the combination of arrogant and stupid is the most dangerous combination, and Cheryl Swoops has it. She's got it in her DNA, and maybe she should because she was a great basketball player. And that's pretty much it. But anyway, think about it. Arrogant and stupid. I'm stupid, but I'm too arrogant to realize I'm stupid. Thus, I say things like black people can't be racist. If you're arrogant and smart, smart people generally can self-evaluate. Hey, wait a second here yeah, that was wrong. You see the difference? Arrogant and stupid makes you double down on your stupidity. Arrogant and smart makes you go, huh? Yeah, that was wrong. Yeah, you know what? What I said was wrong. But the idea that black people can't be racist is the most laughable thing that there is. You know, Back in the day when people were rioting and we were all feel, supposed to feel sorry for those that were rioting until we realized that this is just criminal behavior, dangerous criminal thuggery. White folk had to stay quiet. Couldn't say a word. Hey, I didn't. I'd be on my radio show, and I would stay quiet on all of it because I knew the lay of the land. And the lay of the land was what Cheryl Swoop said. Black people can't be racist. Ha! <laughs> Ask, ask your black friend if black people can be racist and they'll laugh their ass off assuming your black friend isn't arrogant and stupid. My black friend, because I want to be like Cheryl Swoops and tell everybody I have a black friend. I actually have many black friends, but I think it's very funny that Cheryl Swoops goes with the I have a white friend. Because black guys make fun of white guys On the regular, see what I did there, yo? I spoke a little bit. On the reg, about what? You're not racist because you got a black friend? (laughs) So Cheryl Swoops flipped it. Anyway, my black friend will tell you that, oh, man, the brothers are racist. The sisters are crazy racist. And Reggie's white friend, me, although he has a bunch, will tell you, yeah, you ain't lying there. And white dudes are racist as hell, too. It's just the world we live in. What can I tell you? But I like Cheryl Swoops. Cheryl Swoops gives good content. Cheryl Swoops is awful. She's stupid, she's arrogant, and keep, keep it coming, S swoops, because you're a content idiotic, arrogant, stupid machine. Bingo. Speaking, speaking, ladies and gentlemen, of content machines. Stephen A. Smith and others will eventually do this. But I've said this for years in the world of coaching. In the world of coaching, do you want equal treatment? Or do you want equal but special treatment? Now, what does that mean, Dan? You know, there have been great coaches. When Bruce Weber comes to mind, the head coach at Illinois who took him to the national championship game, did great things there in southern Illinois, all that stuff, the, that take a while to interview. Like, I could go into an interview for any job, anytime, walk out and go, and they would go, hey, huh, probably should hire that guy. I can. I can interview well. Like, I can take all of those uh, evaluation tests and make myself out to be like a Mensa, not actual questions about stuff. Like, I can't answer one solar system question, not one. I was at trivia night with my wife, and I can't answer. I don't know the order of the plan. I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing about a lot. But you know those mental tests? I've got a thing inside my brain that flips, and I know the answers that they want. So I can get a great score on those Briggs-Myers and all of those tests because I'm smart enough to do that. Well, I said the same thing. Bruce Weber – Tough interview, could not interview, could not get a job out of Purdue. Finally, Southern Illinois hires him, and he's a great coach. White dudes, black dudes, Asian dudes, Hispanic dudes, everybody is different. And sometimes when you interview, you're just not good at it, or sometimes when you interview, the person you're interviewing with and you are incompatible, and it could be a lot of times. Well, that was never the case with the African-American coach. The African-American coach was a must-hire. We've got to hire this guy. Why? Well, because he's got a good resume and he's African-American. And then when they go interview him, he ain't any good. Case in point, Aaron, Eric enemy Eric Biennemi has interviewed a bunch of times for a bunch of jobs and nobody wants to hire him. Is that every owner's fault? Is that every GM's fault? That has interviewed him? I do not think so. It wouldn't even be a question in the white dude world. But of course, in the African-American world and in the sports world where white guys are trying to appease African-Americans, of course, it's a big issue. Racist, they cried, as Eric B. Enemy couldn't get a job, but nine other African-Americans did. Never made sense to me. Apparently, it doesn't make sense to our guy, Stephen A. Smith. Smith says, Well, I have spent years lamenting the state of affairs when it comes to the state of affairs. Oh, why? Wow, he's trying to be smart with state of affairs. As it pertains to the National Football League and black coaches, I've spent years coming to the defense of Eric Bieniemy. Not anymore. Can't do it anymore. When I think about Eric Bieniemy, I think about how D'Amico Rines got the job in Houston. Mike McDaniels, who's biracial in Miami. Think about Mike Tomlin, who's been in Pittsburgh for 17 years. Think about Todd Bowles. Guys like that, really. Well, I like the fact that Stephen A. Smith is actually thinking and not talking. At one point, his mouth shut, his brain worked, and I'm thinking it's a pretty smart brain. I am. I think Stephen A. Smith's a pretty smart dude whose m- mouth overruns his intellect most times. But who am I to judge? My mouth overruns everything. It just does. But when you look at the quote plight of the African American coach, all you got to do is basically present yourself in such a way that you're likable to the interviewer, you have a great resume. And you have a plan for that particular organization. That's what interviews are. You can have a plan for the particular organization, you can have a good resume, but if you are unlikable, at least to the people sitting across the table from you, you're probably not going to get the job regardless of you are, if you are an African American and Mike Freeman's going to write an article in USA Today if you don't get the job. But here's the deal behind. I always try to give you the deal behind the story. There's a big part of me that says interesting. Now that Eric Bieniemy is no longer in the NFL as he took a job as co-head coach offensive coordinator at UCLA, he's fair game. You got to understand something. When somebody is in the NFL, that's an NFL guy, NFL media including national media like Smith, a little bit less hesitant to criticize. Guy comes from out of the NFL like Urban Meyer, boy, it's on. It's like the NFL, NFL media are so provincial, so incestuous that we will criticize you certainly because, well, it's the NFL, it's big money, it's big business, that kind of thing. So we will criticize you, but we're not going to go to the extent where a guy like Stephen A. Smith says he's done with Eric Bieniemy. If Eric Bieniemy was still in the NFL, you would not hear Smith say that. That's the backstory. I watched how when Urban Meyer came in with an impeccable resume, I mean to tell you, no major NCAA scandals, nothing. Some health issues. Okay, so what? Winning everywhere he's been, building everywhere he's been, dynamic offenses everywhere he's been. When he came into the NFL, the little NFL guys in the media, oh, man. It's almost like they get defensive on somebody coming into the NFL from outside. It's kind of fascinating, really. I've really watched this. So why is Smith all of a sudden talking about Eric Bieniemy and not talking about him being the next great thing? Well, first, what Smith said is absolutely true. There's no denying that. But second, now that he's out of the NFL... And for NFL guys, a school like UCLA, which to me is a big-time school, but to NFL people, it's minor league football. Now it's open season. So there's a little bit of cowardice from Smith, which we've come to expect over the years. But you know what? Good for him. I've said this forever. Be careful what you wish for. If you're going to make this big push to hire African-American this, African-American that, understand. African-American this and African-American that is going to be judged just like the white guy. If you don't win, your ass is gone. If you win, you're all good with me, baby. Mike Tomlin hasn't been 17 years in Pittsburgh because Mike Tomlin is African-American or the Rooneys are this philanthropic family. Mike Tomlin has lasted 17 years because he's won and he's won big, period. Ain't no difference once you get the job. There's difference to get the job. There's, oh, my God, I got to hire an African-American. Oh, my God, we have to be diverse. Oh, my God. We've had three white coaches in a row. We must hire. There's all that to hire. But once you get hired, woo doggie, you better win. Because nobody, and I mean nobody in the world, said it better than Al Davis, just win, baby. You know, let me take a drink here because I don't do ads often, but I should for this. I drink like eight a day. (sighs) Oh, man. Our friend Greg Doyle. Our friend Greg Doyle, no surprise, is a crazy flaming liberal. (laughs) And crazy being first. Now, full disclosure. Greg Doyle was a kind of friend of mine. I was going to have, when Greg Doyle moved to Indy, I was going to have Greg Doyle stay at my house. I told him, hey, you stay at my house. Until I realized what he was doing with young married women. And I had a young daughter in the house. And I'm going through a divorce. And I'm like, yeah, you can't stay, man. I got an 18 year I don't know how old my daughter was, 17, 18 years old, going through a hard time. There was no chance I was letting Greg Doyle stay at my house. I had Greg Doyle over to my house. We had a three-on-three tournament. Bunch of my buddies, three-on-three in a driveway. Dude could barely stand up, dribble a basketball, and shoot a basketball. And my buddies like, this is the guy? This is the guy that writes about sports? This is the guy that tells us about sports? I'm like, yeah, man. That is your guy. Now he's a boxer <laughs> of some, I guess, some note. But he's a coward. I've always said, and he has admitted, this isn't speaking out of turn, when he did a hit piece on me, he admitted to one of his affairs. He acted like I knew about that affair of a woman in Cincinnati. I had no idea. I knew about two others, but I had no idea about some woman in Charlotte. Excuse me. I knew about one in Cincinnati. And I knew about another one, ESPN reported, but I didn't know about the one in Charlotte. So anyway, he's lied about that. He's always been a twister and a liar, but he's an entertaining read. He's a very entertaining read. Like, he's a very good writer when it doesn't pertain to sports. He's a very good writer when it comes to some guy that's an usher at the pacer game. He's a very good writer when it comes to something behind. But in sports, he has flopped left and right. And been actually, if you go around Indy in our city, he's a complete joke when it comes to sports. He called Archie Miller not a home run hire, but a grand slam hire. He told us all of the greatness. that uh, What's that guy, Ryan? the quarterback, I forget his first name, whatever the hell his first name is, Matt Ryan, when he came to Indianapolis, the leadership, he told us how great Carson Wentz was until Carson Wentz didn't get vaccinated, and then he said he's going to take him out. Long story short, I've already given this idiot more time than he deserves. But he now is on the side of mutilating children. See, in Indiana, Indiana said, hey, look, we ain't mutilating children. We ain't doing it. We're not doing it. The federal court lets Indiana ban on gender-affirming care for minors take effect. History won't be kind on this decision. History won't be kind on a lot of things. Literally doesn't know a damn thing he's talking about. Literally trying to get me and you and others to talk about him. And congratulations, he did. But the gender-affirming care is also gender mutilation. And I got to tell you, there is a great article today at OutKick.com going at Doyle. Now, understand this. Kids can't smoke. Kids can't drink. Kids can't drive a car till a certain age. But somehow, way, Greg Doyle and the rest of these left liberal crazy people want kids to be able to cut off their junk, want kids to be able to mutilate their bodies. Now, the woods is full, and I mean full of kids that are looking back at this, parents that are looking back at this and saying, oh man, this is the worst thing we've ever done. This is horrible. This is ridiculous. I don't know, and Doyle has had kids, but I don't know why anybody, anybody would think that a six, 5, 8, 9, 10 year old should be allowed and their parents should be enabled to chop up or chop off their private parts. I don't know why that's even a thing. It's almost like people are so stupid that they defy logic. And that's Doyle, although Doyle is very smart. Doyle is very, very, very smart. He's a smart man. I will give him that. But he's morphed into a guy that just simply wants clicks. He's more, my friend Ken Sterling said it best. He's just not real anymore. What you read about him just isn't real. You know what I mean? And you can't really call yourself an ally of transgender kids by, well, saying it's okay for a six-year-old to mutilate themselves. You can call yourself anything you want. I mean, and Doyle does. But there's no ally to six, eight, nine, seven-year-olds chopping off body parts because, frankly, six, eight, Seven, nine-year-olds are still eating buggers. They don't know what they want to be. They don't want to be a fireman. No, I want to be a Barbie doll. No, I want to be, I don't know, I want to be a police. No. But yet we let them make their decision and we support it in the media to chop off private parts because what? They're playing with a dress because what? We know some psychologists said, well, they really feel like they're a woman. Good. You know what will happen? When you get to be 16, that feeling will still be there, and you can make an informed decision. But that's not Greg Doyle. That's not our liberal friends. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. He is, quote, a prototype. This is my friend, Alejandra Avia a prototype of the current generation of woke online activists who will be remembered in American history as lazy and arrogant. Boy, is that true. I've never met a more insecure, arrogant human being in my life than Greg Doyle. And I've already given him way too much time. Doyle believes it's sacrosanct to provide gender-affirming care for kids, thus enabling the severing of their genitals to rejigger their biological makeup at six years old, that's what Doyle does. Write more hate pieces on me, Doyle. Please write more hit pieces on me. It affirms my long-held belief that when god-awful people don't like you, you're doing the right thing. Man, can you imagine? Hey, Daddy, I just ate six boogers, but I want to cut my dick off. Oh, Okay. Oh, man, you can't make this shit up. You literally can't make this shit up. Hey, Daddy, hey, Daddy, I just ate the head off my Barbie doll. Can we go to the doctor so I can get my vagina turned into a penis? Fucking evil people, man. Evil people. Hey, our friend Bomani Jones, he a failure at everything that he has done. Full disclosure, true story. I went back and forth with Bomani Jones a few times on Twitter, and then one time he couldn't believe I was actually from Gary, Indiana, and I had to enlighten him on a on – a t- actually, this is kind of interesting. I was in Vegas uh, with Lee doing uh NBA summer league game, and Bomani Jones came at, at me on Twitter about being from Gary, Indiana. Man, Doggett is from Gary, Indiana, something about the Jackson 5. And I had to enlighten him that my mother – In a stroller, at least this is what I believe. Maybe she'll text me and say it's wrong. This is a story I heard. Used to go to Gleason Park with me and my brother and Mrs. Jackson, Kathy Jackson, would be there with their little girls or whoever they were. This is true. The Jackson 5 used to practice at my grandfather's bar, the Caribou Lounge, because he had a stage, lights, and a dance floor. And on, like, Sunday mornings, the Jackson 5 would practice there. And – Jermaine Jackson, or one of the older ones, uh, confirmed with my brother a year ago at the opening of the Hard Rock in Gary that Joe Jackson and my grandfather used to go at each other really, really hard over the money that the Jackson 5 were supposed to pay to play at my grandfather's bar. All right. Jones came at me about being from Gary, and I enlightened him on all those things. I just happened to be walking between with my wife from the Park Hotel – the MGM Park, to the Cosmopolitan. We were going to go get a drink, see what was going on, and who comes walking by us, Michael Smith and Bomani Jones. He looks at me and goes, hey, Dan, I really like you. I go, hey, Bomani, I really like you, and we kept on our way. So I like Bomani Jones. I do. But Bomani Jones's opinions used to be pretty good. I'm not kidding you. I used to like his thing the right time. I did. I thought it was great. And I kind of thought he was going to be a star. I did. But then he started getting too crazy. And then everything had to be about race. And I understand it because, well, at the time when Jones was coming up, race sold. I mean, the brothers saw Kaepernick getting paid, yo. And they, me, most of us are like, hey, I did. How can we get in on that? Right, I mean, everybody wanted to get paid by Nike. How can I get if they're paying this guy to kneel? What can I do? But anyway, then Jones got whacked out. He was giving shows. He got too racial. People get tired of it, and away you go. But Monty Jones has st- has jumped in on court storming. Which, by the way, our man Kyle Filipkowski from Duke, who we all thought had to have his leg amputated, if you looked at Jersey John Shire. And the rest of the little dookies. Turned out he played and played pretty good last night. The court storm is like the encore on steroids. No one has any leverage over the kids once they get out there. True. It's in full on-site of lawlessness. Well, come on. And you know it's a state of lawlessness because if you looked at those clips of that game and you just saw the security, like, y'all right, y'all coming down. You're not going to tell me that security at these games thinks this is a good idea. That's true. In fact, what we're talking about here is an anathema, okay, to their whole existence, right? Like, this is what they exist to prevent, and they're like, all right, y'all got it. Y'all come on down. They know this is a horrific idea. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Look, if I was security... We've all seen clips of security guys trying to hold somebody back while 50 of them run past him. Like, grab this guy, and everybody runs past. (laughs) We've all seen that. Hey, I'm not mad at Bomani Jones for this stand. I don't know that it's lawlessness. I mean, I don't see crimes being committed. I don't see AKs. I don't see Glocks, and I don't see machetes being wielded. It's a bunch of college kids with phones trying to be cooler than an ex and get the shot that makes them go viral and makes them a YouTuber or TikTok star. That's kind of what I see, but what I see really doesn't matter. But I'm not mad at Imani Jones for this take. I think this take is all right. I think this take is probably true. But again, the lawlessness part, yeah, I don't know. Um, Tyreek Hill, now I'm going to tell you something. Tyreek Hill likes some big, baby. And I'm not talking about the women that he has the sex with and the women that he's got, like, I don't know how many kids with. No, 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 no. He wants to throw hands with the big. And Sophie Hall is a plus-size model. She's an influencer with more than 2 million followers on InstaFace. She claims she was invited to take part in an offensive line blocking drill after watching Hill train in his backyard January 28, 2023. This is a lawsuit. The Daily Mail's got it. Now, hey, big girl. It's a bad move to do this next paragraph. On her first defensive line rep, Hall alleges she managed to push Hill backward, drawing laughter from a group of witnesses, including Hill's trainer, mother, And sister, oh no, oh no, what are we going to do? Hall then claims that Hill became embarrassed. He became angry. And that they insisted they do the drill in opposite positions. The second rep was interrupted by a puppy. Third rep saw Hall hold her own. But on the fourth rep, Hill allegedly charged into her violently and with great force, leaving her in excruciating pain. All right. Well, Hill, a National Football League superstar, perennial All-Pro, first-team All-Pro, and world-class athlete, nicknamed a cheetah for his incredible combination of speed and strength, made his living humiliating and outperforming his competition on the football field. Unfortunately, after getting humiliated in front of friends and family, where he was knocked backwards during a friendly football lesson by his friend Sophie Hill, Hill became enraged and forcefully and personally shoved Miss Hall, severely fracturing her leg. Yeah, I'm I'm siding with Hill on this one. I'm sorry, I'm siding with Hill. I mean, a biggin gets in the ring, and a biggin wants to throw hands with an NFL player who's notably crazy. I mean, all you got to do is listen to jo- Tyreek Hill for one. 10, five minutes, and you know the dude's nuts. So the dude is nuts. You think you're a badass. You shoved him down. I'm sure there's taunting. And then you get mad because Hill came back at you. I've never been for hitting women ever. I've been very vocal about it, and my thing is always like, what do you do after? And I would equate it to this for Hill. Now, Hill's a dumbass. We all know this. But Hill knocks this girl down the big end. Then what do you do? I'm sure she's screaming. I mean, fracturing a leg, it, it hurts. I'm sure she's in pain. Now, what does this idiot Hill do? <clears throat> That's what I've always said about hitting a woman. Like, what's your next move? And what are you doing? Sorry. Take it back. Get in your car. Leave. Go downstairs. Fall asleep. Hit the bottle. Hit the drop. What do you do? I've always said this. I've never understood it. I will never understand it. I don't understand this from both sides. Like, hey, lady, what are you doing? Now, all of a sudden, at the end of this lawsuit or at the end of what I read, oh, now it's a friendly match. Oh, so it starts out with Hill getting apparently knocked backwards. Everyone's taunting him. Then it happens again and again. And now, later, because the young lady got hurt, it was supposed to be a friendly thing. Yeah, I'm calling bullshit on the whole thing. Yeah, I got to tell you what I'm doing. All right, uh, Hill, you're a known idiot. If I'm the judge, Danny D, court is adjourned, or court is in session. Uh, Hill, I've made my ruling. You're an idiot. Why don't you stay away from women? Why don't you give that penis a break? Just take a few months you know, get your hand going, some lotion, and, and take your time with that. You, you're you an idiot. But you, lady, what are you doing? Like, why are you lining up against an NFL player going hard enough to knock him backwards and then you're going to come to me, bitch, whine, and moan, that he knocked you backwards after you testified, you testified, and you testified that we were all taunting Hill? So you get in the cage with a lion, and then you get mad when the lion hurts you. I don't think I care about either of you. If I were, and I am the court of law right now, you, Hill, get the hell out of here. If I see you back, I'm going to charge you with something really stupid, put your dumb ass in jail, or maybe we'll just castrate you. And you, lady, go back to shaking your big ass, go back to taking your clothes off, putting your finger in your mouth, or putting your finger on your ass and being an influencer. But if I hear about either of you two again, in any physical contact, I'm going to throw both of your asses in jail. You're out. That's what I would do. Marquette beat the living dog. Beat the living dog out of Providence. It ended up 91-69. to But I got to tell you, I watched a little bit of that, Tyler Kolick and the rest, Cam Jones. Holy cow. I mean, they were up as much, I think, as 28. The score, even though it's 91 to 69, wasn't even that close. No, I'm not kidding you. I don't, it wasn't that close from jump. Marquette moved into my top five because Marquette, after a loss, has started doing that to people. Their defense is imp- what did Mike Tyson say? My defense is impenetrable. My heart is exempt. You know? Eh, that's what Marquette's doing. Creighton, Creighton got their offense back. Seton Hall didn't look so good, but I'll tell you this much. I watched a little bit of Creighton, too. Creighton got their offense back, but I'll tell you why they did it. Because, well, Seton Hall had to help too much. You can't help on Creighton. you got to be able to guard your own. That's what St. John's did. When next time you watch Creighton, watch how many threes they get from putting the defense in a scramble situation. Creighton's not the quickest team, but somehow, someway, teams overhelp. Seton Hall was over helping. The ball was whipping. 85 points later, Seton Hall got the hell beat out of him. It was kind of fascinating. I was wondering how Creighton was going to jump back. They moved to 21 wins. They won by 21. 21 seemed to be the number last night. But you know what? Man, oh, man. Creighton gets its offense going. The NCAA tournament is all about making shots. But I'm telling you, St. John's was able to take their man, guard their man, not over help, not get in the scramble. And Creighton couldn't score. Creighton could score last night. Uh, let's just let's just call this what it is. Let's just say what it is, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I'm saying? Here's the deal. Uh, I hate to say it. I'm not sure this is true. I don't know what is true, but I got to tell you, this connect kid – For Tennessee, might be the player of the year in the country not named Zach Eady. No, I'm not going to lie to you. He is so good. He is such a great transfer, Dalton Canette is, that you sit there and you go, wait a second now. Hold the phone. You know what? Rick Barnes and my man Dylan, toes might be tapping. I think it's Glendale for the final four. That's how good this kid is. This kid last night, I could not stop watching. The other games I was flipping. He goes for 39 last night against, against Bruce Pearl's Auburn team, and they needed every one. Look, I thought that Tennessee was whooping, was whooping ass. It felt like Tennessee was whooping ass. It only ended up an eight-point loss. But this kid is sensational. I think I saw where maybe both Trey Wallace and um, uh, Clay were saying that this is the best player maybe Tennessee's ever had since, you know, Ernie and Bernie or Ellen Houston or whatever. Man, oh, man, he was literally, I'm being literal, he was literally unguardable last night. I mean, he was incredible. If you haven't seen him, you got to see him. And the word on the street, and I don't know if this is true, but the word on the street is Indiana had a chance to get this kid, but they stuck with their guy. They stuck with their guy, Xavier Johnson. Man, I don't know. And I like Zakai Ziegler. Zakai Ziegler had what do he have? I'm looking it up here. Nine, yeah, I thought he had 11 assists. He had nine assists. Man, oh man, I gotta tell you, this connect kid, holy hell, is he good? Uh, Auburn high, or excuse me, Alabama last night high scoring off uh, 103 points over our guy Chris Beard. I'm not happy about it. They've won their seventh straight. They're hot as hell. They're seventh straight over Ole Miss. Adam won seventh straight because Kentucky took them to the woodshed last weekend. But it's interesting. Alabama gave up like 115. Now they're giving up 88. It's got an interesting formula. I think they scored in the 90s against Kentucky. Now they're at 103. Interesting formula for success in the NCAA tournament. And ladies and gentlemen, the best player, the best freshman in the country, John, Johnny Kitzinger, he's about this tall. seconds to go for Illinois State. Uh, Underneath, out of bounds, down one against Missouri State. Johnny Kitzinger goes up from the baseline, sets a screen, receives a screen, comes over to the right baseline, catch, whap, boom. Game winner, Illinois State moves to 500. Andrew Dockett and his crew are hot. I'll be there Sunday at Valparaiso for the season finale. Illinois State was up 10, 10, with five minutes to go. And Missouri State, who's arguably the most talented team in the Missouri Valley, said, no, no. They started locking up and scoring at the rim. And Johnny Kitzinger, Mr. Basketball, out of the, city, uh, the great state of Wisconsin, had 28 assists, four rebounds at five foot nine. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, it's 10 o'clock. You know what that means. I rarely run. But when I do, and we got a monster coming up. I'm sorry, it's 940. We got a monster. Hey, look, I got Fran McCaffrey coming up. I got Tim Brando. We got a show for you. Stay right here. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. You know college basketball does deliver. I watched a three overtime game between Drake and Illinois Chicago. I'm not going to lie to you. I am absolutely on fire. I've made 1800 over the last 2 days in college basketball bets. I am in fuego, but I can't post them. So if you have my text and you want them, I'll send them to you. But every time I post them, you know what happens? Well, bad things happen. They do. I lose, and I don't want to lose. There's no joy in losing, but I will if you'd like. I'm on fire. I've studied college basketball this year as an example, and I can show you if you'd like. I mean, I know a lot of people say they're on fire, but I can show you. I mean, I got my DraftKings app right here. I don't know who sponsors all of us. Maybe DraftKings isn't the right one, but I really don't care. I started out basically with 100 bucks, True story. And now I'll show you. I'm at 1900 bucks. You can see it up there. We're at 1900 so, all bets settled. Let's see here. Drake, winner. Arizona minus 11. Wait, how do I turn this right? Winner. Illinois State, caught him late, winner. Milwaukee minus three, winner. Uh, Milwaukee plus one and a half, winner. I did cash out smartly. Got uh instead of losing hundred bucks, I only lost fifty, cash that out, and I lost a Milwaukee one night before. Alford, winner. Notre Dame, winner. Kentucky plus three forty, winner. I mean, I don't know. I'm on fire. What can I tell you? And I should be. But my system is this. I watch the game and then I bet. What can I tell you? I watched the game, and then I bet, except for the Arizona one last night. I was up, and I'm like, you know what? Arizona State sucks. They're tired of Danny Hurley. Arizona's playing great. Arizona went in there and whooped him. All right, studs of the week. It's the damn awards. Don't at me. I didn't swear. I said, don't at me, Mom. Anyway, my mom's on a cruise, so she's not watching, so I can swear. BYU basketball. BYU basketball has come in to the Big 12 and been really, really good, and that surprises a lot of people. What might surprise a lot of people, I was actually telling this story last night at a dinner that I was at. I got a lot done last night. I mean, you think about the games that I watched. I went to a kind of a, a, a new menu dinner at a place. I'm going to a charity dinner tonight. I mean, I'm a busy guy. But I was sitting there with a couple friends. I had to be home at 8 to watch games. But about six thirty seven 7 o'clock, and I was telling them about BYU and their fans. People don't know BYU is one of the great home courts. Now nah, it's a bunch of racist pricks. Don't get me wrong. We played there one year, and one of my players was going into the stands. If, if the referees didn't stop him because the N-word was dropped, then this is not a kid that lies about the N-word. So I've always thought, yeah, okay, you religious guys with your seven wives – Hey, that's great. And BYU has uh, 35-year-old kids playing on the court, but that's not true. You know, I'm not Cheryl Swoops. I deal in truth. And the truth of the matter is Mark Pope has done a masterful job at putting together a team that moves the ball, shoots the ball, has no ego, and plays really, really hard. Now, their win against Kansas this weekend very much surprised me. I am that guy. I am the guy that always thinks Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, used to be UCLA, Duke, North Carolina, Michigan State, Connecticut are all going to win big games at home on weekends, every time. So when somebody comes in there, like BYU came into Kansas and beats Kansas, even though McCullers didn't play for Kansas, it's a massive win. It's huge. It's unbelievable. It's just hard to win in those places that I mentioned. It's hard to win anywhere on a Saturday afternoon in your league this time of year. BYU did it. If you're thinking about the NCAA tournament, understand this: this is not just a home team that plays uh, plays really well as a home team. This is a basketball team that covers all the bases. Very good shooters. Tough ass inside guys will get the ball out in transition and plays exceptionally hard. Don't sleep on BYU, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, loser of the week, Joe Biden and his refusal, his absolute refusal to comment or take a knee or whatever the hell you're supposed to do on Lake and Riley. Lake and Riley is the young woman that got murdered, brutally murdered by an illegal immigrant, guy that should not have been in this country, a man that had been arrested numerous times, but because, and there is debate on this, whether or not Athens is a sanctuary city, somehow this idiot that murdered this young lady was in Athens was actually working as a DoorDash guy, and, ladies and gentlemen, murdered a woman who was simply out on a job. I'll tell you, as big a loser as any, As big a loser as any is the mayor of Athens, who is a complete dumbass, who should never have a job. He tried to pin it on Donald Trump being mad at immigrants. He tried to pin it on everything except what it is. Joe Biden and his god-awful, ridiculous, what-in-the-hell-are-you-doing immigration policies. And I'll give the people of Athens credit. They were right there at this press conference with this buffoon yelling, resign. They were right there at this press conference with this jackass as he was blaming everybody other than Joe Biden and his ridiculous immigration policies, and they heckled him. This mayor, a guy named Kelly Gertz, uh, held a press conference, and basically the Democrat blamed every other element in the murder of Lake and Riley except, except... The asinine, ridiculous border policies. Guy yelled out, you're a liar. You're the only one who is guilty. You got blood on your hands for murder, sir. Other protesters just held up signs, blood on your hands. Make Athens safe again. The mayor caught it. The mayor should caught it. I absolutely should catch it. And good for protesters standing up on these idiotic sanctuary cities. Man. We we are deeply sorry for this tragedy, responsibly solely on the perpetrator. Really? Why is he here? I don't know. These dudes, their two brothers that were there, they had run-ins with the cops, and the cops did nothing. They stole about 200 bucks from a local store. Again, what are illegal immigrants going to do? They come in this country with nothing. They're allowed to roam free. They're given a $5,000 or, in New York's case, $10,000 card. Where are they going? How do you think they're going to make ends meet? What what do you think? They're going to go down to the local steel mill and apply for a job without a driver's license or without anything? No. What's wrong with you? They're going to get on an app, sign up for Uber Eats or DoorDash, and then go about the business of robbing. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. People come at me for saying this, but all I see every day is illegal immigrants raping and robbing and killing like in Athens. And it's coming to my community. It's coming to your community. Uh, we talked about the strangest story of the day, the plus-size model and Tyreek Hill. I tell you this all the time, all the time. It's always the same people. It is always the same people. You know it's going to be Pac-Man Jones. You know it's going to be Antonio Brown. You know it's going to be Tyreek Hill. I mean, do I need to go on? You know it. And this goes back to Steve Howe. You don't know Steve Howe. Reliefer for the Dodgers. Every month this dude was getting arrested or getting charged or getting suspended for some kind of drug use. Every month, Art Schleister is in the Indianapolis paper for doing something stupid. If you don't know who Art Schleister is, he was the number one quarterback, the stud coming out of high school back in the late 70s, early 80s. And all he's done, he got a gambling addiction. He lost his mind, and the list goes up. It's always the same people. And the same people, ladies and gentlemen, include Tyreek Hill. Hey, I'm just glad that our nation's prayers were answered. I'm just glad that everybody who set a novena, who lit a candle for Kyle Flipkowski, well, God dang it, he was able to play. It's bigger than free Ferris. It's bigger than Ferris. It is. I mean, the flipper, he tweaked an ankle. Somebody rushed the court. Oh, my God. The Flipper went out and decided it was going to be a good idea to shove a kid on the court because the Flipper, at six 6'11", 250 pounds, uh, he thought it would be a good idea to shove a five 5'9", 150-pound kid because that's what Flipper does. Flipper tweaked an ankle. John Shire went nuts. The basketball community lost its mind. Ah, uh, interesting. They didn't even do imaging on the ankle. If you watched him walk off, you would think he was dead. You would think that appendage was going to have to be amputated. But the flipper persevered, and John Shire survived. We had to listen to little John do his best Mike K imitation and lecture us. But we laugh. We laugh when Shire does it because it's like little kids. I mean, it's like the son trying to talk for the dad. And Shire, I'm sure, is a great dude. I'm sure he's a great coach. I'm sure he blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. But Duke being Duke, they give me gas. Everybody overreacts, but good for the Flipper. Oh, man. The Flipper ended up persevering, and Duke got a win. The Flipper had nine points, ten rebounds, six assists, and thank God he was able to walk. We didn't think he would walk, but he did. And thank God for that. Eighty-four, fifty-nine, Duke prevails over clueless Kenny Payne and the Louisville Cardinals. Thank you, Flipper, for your hard work. Not all heroes wear capes. Hey, we're going to talk to Tim Brando coming up in a few minutes. I also got Fran Fraschilla joining. I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, what would it be? Without baby mama drama by some NFL player. Oh my God. I can't believe it. It is astounding to me. A wide receiver in the NFL with baby mama drama say it isn't so. Hey, I got a story on a legal immigrant killing a two-year-old boy. I'm telling you, you can get mad, glad, angry, sad. But the facts be the facts. When you let state number of pe- enough people to fill two states in our border unchecked they got to go somewhere they got to survive somehow and when you let a bunch of criminals in they got to go somewhere they got to survive somehow what do you think is going to happen there's going to be some raping some robbing and some killing that's it that's all and if you don't think so you haven't paid attention So I got stories about that. There you go. Nicole Nicole Hardman, I like what he has to say, but I'm really looking forward. I am. I like Tim Brando. Tim Brando's fun. Tim Brando's interesting. And I like talking to him. I like talking to Fran Freshella. Fran is so much different than what you see on TV. You see him mad. You see him angry. You see him pissed. The funniest dude ever. He'll laugh. He's sarcastic. He's Philly. What can I tell you? I like, can't wait. Stay right here. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. You know, you guys think Tim Brando's been around a long time. He's only 31 years old. It seems like he's been (laughs) around a long time. But, hey, when you start as a child prodigy, what the hell, man? (laughs) The great one joins me right now. What's on the (laughs) chest there? What is that right there? What's that? I spent my birthday, which
2: was just a couple of days ago, Dan, at Mississippi College, the Choctaws, a Division II powerhouse of the old Gulf South Conference. Uh, I spoke to them why, on my Why did you spend night. it there? My my uh my daughter uh and my son-in-law who is a fifth year resident in plastic surgery which by the way Dan in a few years I just had my 29th anniversary of my 39th birthday you were very close it was 30 39 <laughs> of just the 29th anniversary of my 39th. He's going to take care of this rooster neck that I've got uh Yeah once he once he gets out of his residency I'm going to get a really good deal. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, you I are. was there to speak. Clinton, Mississippi is just outside the Jackson area, and and uh, I went to spend that time. I, I have a granddaughter that's three years old that had her birthday. Uh, Mamie Lou had her birthday earlier in the month. So I scheduled it uh, with Fox earlier in there. I said, I need a, a little pocket, a little window around my birthday off, if you don't mind. And um, the folks at Mississippi College, great people, uh, wanted to have me come and speak. And my, my uncle had played baseball there in the late 40s. And he was sort of my baseball, my athletic big brother when I was growing up. So it was kind of cool for me to go back there and, and have a chance to speak at their fundraiser yeah. for their athletic department. So
0: yeah, the I'm not Talks. gonna lie, where I grew, where I grew up in Gary, Indiana, and I, I just assumed that was Notre Dame because everybody I went to Catholic <laughs> school and. Hour yeah. away from Notre Dame, and whenever I see right. those colors, I just assume some nun's gonna adult. punch me in the head yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah that's, hey Tim, that's I gotta MC, ask you some hoops, man.
2: MC,
0: right? <laughs> you, are right. Hey, yeah. you cover the SEC. Uh, Indiana fans. I'm. I'm gonna make this correlation here. Indiana right. fans are all upset because Dalton Connect is like the best player in the SEC, and some Indiana fans are telling me, you know, he kind of wanted to come to Indiana, but Woodson said, hey, look, we got Xavier Johnson. I digress. How good is this kid? I'm watching last night, and I'm like, holy hell, is he the best in the uh, SEC? Well, he's the
2: difference maker in the SEC, and the reason he is, uh, because you know this about Rick Barnes, uh, Dan, he's always had good defenses. I mean, Rick is a defensive-minded coach. He, He was when he was at Providence. When he got that job and took over for Rick Pitino and won with Derek Dickey and those guys in 1994, they won a, a Big East tournament, a Big East regular season title outright uh, as a young coach. After he had been an assistant, believe it or not, with Wimp Sanderson going back even further into the 80s at Alabama, but not since really his days at Texas. You know, he had Durant and didn't get to the Final Four. It's been since TJ Ford. Right in 2003, since Rick has been to a Final Four, but he's a very accomplished coach defensively. He's just never had an out pitch to score buckets when his teams and his teams historically have struggled to score. You know, a little bit like Izzo's teams, but you know, Izzo has gotten to so many Final Fours, a dozen of them, right? Maybe not enough to win the whole thing, but he he played defense well enough to get there. Rick's teams have just not had an out pitch to go get you buckets, like. Everybody else is struggling, give me the ball, get the hell out of my way, and we'll ISO, and I'll take care of business. And Dalton Connect is all of that. I mean, he, he was the difference, and I, I think defense will always travel, and I think that's going to help them in the postseason. If there's a team out of the SEC that can get to the Final Four this year, it is definitely the Volunteers, in my opinion.
0: I, I've said this about a couple of teams and I'm curious your thoughts. For my world, Purdue, look, I, I it pains me to say this because I grew up we want <clears throat> we wanted to win the Big Ten. We wanted to win a Big Ten yeah. tournament. But for Purdue, Rick Barnes, and maybe, maybe Calvin Sampson, but certainly Purdue and Rick Barnes, it's almost like the regular season matters, but not really. Yeah. It's what you're gonna right. do in the tournament, isn't it? Isn't that the sense, Tim? Yeah, yeah. And you know, think about Gene
2: Cady and the thorn in the side he was to your old coach. <laughs> All those big yeah, team right. titles he won. Right. You know, and yet couldn't get to a final four. And he was the number one seed a gazillion times. First NCAA tournament Dan I worked was in Albuquerque in ninety-six. And they almost lost in a 116 game to Western Carolina. The Catamounts almost beat them. Had three good looks. Okay, the iron was unkind and then downright rude. Or they would have been bounced. in. they did get knocked out by Georgia in the second round. With when Tubby Smith had that team that helped launch him to the Kentucky job in, in 97, 98. Uh, when Rick left, but that Georgia team uh, with Willie Anderson knocked Purdue out in the second round that year. So there have been a lot of I, when, when in 98. Uh, they had a hell of a team with tremendous bigs and Stanford took them down uh, en route to the final four in the sweet 16. I, I had uh, Al McGuire and I were working that tournament together and the Boilers were good. Then it was almost like you look at Bob Knight's record in the NCAAs and it was immaculate. But if you look at, you know, the conference championships, the guy that got in his way was just down the road. <laughs> it, was, it was mean team. The dancing machine down yeah. at uh, West Lafayette. I mean, but Matt, I think, has has found what he needs this year, Dan. I'm, I'm sold on Purdue. Despite what happened at Ohio State with Diebler getting that big win, which was great for him, and after that emotional uh, situation with Chris Holtman and Gene Smith, you, you expect the kids to play well, and they did. And look, Bruce Thornton's a hell of a talent. It's not like they didn't have talent. They had talent. But I love Purdue, and I'll tell you why. Not just because Lawyer is really good and Breton Smith is, I think, an underrated point guard, but Lance Jones is the key to this Purdue team making it to the Final Four finally, in my mind, for Matt Painter. They finally have that athletic wing that gives them great defense when they need it. You know, Purdue, when they fell behind against quality teams, like, for instance, Shaheen Holloway's St. Peter's team, once you get down double digits, Purdue – Couldn't create turnovers. They didn't have the ability defensively to cause any trouble uh, with full court pressure. Now they do. And Lance Jones, 55, in black and gold, is a stud. And I think that's the difference for them. I think the two teams I really love that I do think have separation, despite Houston being number one now, are Connecticut because of the the balance and the complete nature of their team. And I've seen a lot of them this year. And I've also seen Purdue. Uh, and I saw him at a place that usually gives them trouble. You know, Paykel's team at Rutgers usually gives them a, a lot of trouble. They played them closer, a lot closer than they did at home, but I, I'm sold on the Boilermakers this year. As long as Lance Jones doesn't get hurt, I think they can ride that guy. That Southern Illinois transfer that's hungry. You've you got to identify with that. Kid comes from a mid-major, wants to prove that he can be the difference maker for that team. And I think he is.
0: I'm going to argue with you a little bit on it. Uh, I went to the okay. Purdue Indiana game. Sat on the sat on the court. I think Lance Jones is out of shape. I think Lance Jones is out of shape and slow. I'm not going to lie to you. Watching him in person, the the key to me, okay. Purdue. Here's here's what Purdue does in the tournament. Painter doesn't shift how he coaches. Like a few years ago when they were getting beat by, uh, it wasn't it wasn't St. Peters. It was before that. Maybe it was Texas. He benches his two best shooters because they missed a switch. They better get they better get four, uh, Foster Lawyer going because the NCAA tournament's about making shots.
2: Great point. You make a great point about uh, he is a little chunky. <laughs> uh,
0: I watched he, him in person. Big, I thought he was slow.
2: Yeah, he he makes big plays defensively for them. He, he does. He makes uh, yes, he does. A gra- he's, yes. A gr- he's a he's a grunt. I guess the point I'm trying to make to you is he's a grunt. He's a glue guy. He, he is. is
0: a, yeah, he is, you know,
2: and I'm just, a missing hey, link Tim,
0: I'm just married, Tim. I am married. Like as a coach, I yeah. am married. I can't get it out of my mind that if you don't make shots, you ain't winning in the tournament. That's true. I learned yep. that the the, the yep. hard way. And I'm like, I'm watching <laughs> Purdue and I'm like, they better get this lawyer kid going, man. Cause he is yeah. struggling and Jones yeah. can make shots. And I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. I just right. – watching him in person, I was just less impressed and more impressed with, man Pr- – because Purdue beat Indiana by 20, Tim, and I thought yeah. they played yeah. bad. And then talking to Purdue yeah. people, they're like, yeah, we can't shoot. What are we doing? Um, but I'm not – I'm with you. I mean, Jones is – if they don't have Jones, let's put it this way. They're in trouble. they don't have a replacement yeah. for Jones. Yes. No, they, they don't. You're right. No, they don't. But, and I'm so married to making shots. I go back, if Key Smart misses a jump shot, I don't have a national championship ring, and bayheim has <laughs> got two, right? That's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You know, no I'm doubt so, about it. And I'm so crazy.
2: I think that's, a, that's another thing to me about UConn that makes them so devastating, is that, okay, uh, I had them against uh, Marquette one versus four just a couple of weeks ago, right? It's, it's 18 to 18, and they're playing the game not at Gample. they're playing it at the XL Center in Hartford, which is a little bit more of a berries and cream crowd. You know, you got to show them something. It's an older crowd than the campus facility that uh, they were in this past weekend against Villanova. But what happened, they they Caravan, all right, Caravan, who's their outstanding stud shooter, and Newton, who is arguably a Big East Player of the Year candidate, maybe even could garner some votes for National Player of the Year, who knows, they were combined two of 14. Didn't matter. Didn't matter because Cam Spencer's <laughs> making shots. All right? Uh, Klingon is like r- r- running and r- he's the rim protector and he's not in foul trouble. And then Samson Johnson comes in. No big deal. Hassan Diera. He If 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 Newton's not making shots, get Hassan Diera in there. He's knocking them down. They've just got so many options offensively. They make shots. Some of them. May not have a good day, but they'll
0: have enough making shots to win. You know, it's funny. My son's coaching at Illinois State, and he calls me every night, and we talk ball. And almost invariably, he'll go, "Hey, Dad, uh, I just gave you a scouting report, but it's all bullshit. If we don't make shots, we ain't winning. (laughs) If we go three for twenty, you know, if we go three for twenty, you know, like, you know." But Tim, I want to go back to something because Marquette lost that game, and lost it bad. And, Tim, right. they've been kicking the shit out of everybody since then, including Providence last night. Right. How good right. do you think Marquette is?
2: They're as good as the pick and roll with Kolek and Iso, Oso Igadaro can be. That's their offense. If you adequately defend the pick and roll, which, by the way, for them with Igadaro is going to start, if, if you got a large uh, mid-court uh logo right and that thing stretches to about maybe 35 feet to 40 feet away from the basket (laughs) they're going to be setting up that pick and roll that far out okay because igadaro has got a very soft runner they can put it on the deck he's got such an NBA future I mean he's going to be I think a better NBA player more impactful NBA player than he is a college player uh because they become a liability, his size or the lack of a, of a frontline to help him out becomes a liability rebounding the basketball. The reason they lost to Michigan state early last year after winning 29 games and winning the big East regular season outright and the, in the tournament title was because Michigan state can do as bad as they can be shooting the ball. Sometimes what do ISO teams always do? They defend and they rebound and and that's all that really mattered. And they, they took away the pick and roll and uh, Kolek is an effective outside shooter, but he's not great off the bounce. If you force him to shoot and create his own shot, he's better as a standstill shooter. And you'll notice from time to time, Shaka's is really good about this. He'll get Cam Jones out there who can handle the ball, who normally plays the two, he'll bring him to spell Kolek. Which allows him to to move around and get shots, and they generally do that when either Ogu- Igadaro is in foul trouble or he just needs a blow. So it changes their offensive look, you know, quite a bit. I love Marquette because of their defensive tenacity, but they they struggle to rebound at times, and they really do rely so heavily. I mean, there's there's sort of the college version of Stockton and Malone. Those two guys, they really work well together.
0: You know the team that I have not liked all year. I mean, I know they've won some games, and I know they're. I, I have not liked Kansas, and I really don't like them with without McCullers. I saw them earlier in the year, and I, actually Marquette kicked their ass in Maui. They did, but I have not. Li- it's a first time, Tim. I'm watching Kansas, and I go, you know what? They ain't that talented. They got Furphy, and you know Dickinson, and and the point guards. Nice, but I don't. Do you like them? No. I don't think they're nearly
2: as effective as they have been. A part of it, I think, is because that league is so good. It's 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 easy to yeah. get lost or maybe not look special because that conference is so good and so deep. Would you agree with this? The two best leagues in America this year are, without question, the Big 12 and the Big East. I think in that order, one, two. Oh, yeah. Big 12. The Big I Big agree. Yeah. Yes. And really, the, and the only yes. difference to me, Dan, is the number of teams in the Big 12. <laughs> they just got more of right. them. Right. You know? They've got more quality teams uh, because they have more members right now. And uh, it's only going to get even better. Can you imagine that league when they get Arizona into the league too? I mean, think about (laughs) that. How good is that conference going to be when uh, Arizona and Utah come rolling in there? uh, and, And I mean, both in football and in basketball, that league looks really bright. But, the Big East is the same story. They're only like one and a half bad teams in the Big East. The ball is deplorable, and and Georgetown is a year away. I mean, Cooley yeah. is going to win. All right, Cooley's going to win uh, eventually. He just doesn't have the personnel. But you know what? You better work against Georgetown because if you don't work against them, they can slip up on you and beat you. So uh, when you're playing Seton Hall and Shaheen Holloway, or you're playing against. Um, uh, Providence. Uh, that kid Carter is a hell of a talent. Like they were down last night in that game. I watched some of it. They were down twenty and still playing hard for English, who, by the way, I think has done yeah. a great job for Cooley since coming into Providence. Uh, and it, it, after Patino had his meltdown, all right, and and he doubled down after his meltdown. I, I, I jokingly said, uh, as someone that's just a few years younger than Rick, he had a <clears throat> really bad senior moment. Okay, in that post game you know, <laughs> when they lost to Seton Hall. But you saw what happened, right? After he says, my bad, words matter. It's not like he hasn't had to apologize before. They go back and they steamroll Creighton right after Creighton had beaten Connecticut the same way UConn beat Marquette. And I think Creighton is a team, Dan, you don't want to sleep on them. Uh, Armstrong, uh, excuse me, Armstrong's with Illinois. The Ash, Ashworth kid now at the guard position, came in to replace Brian Nimhard is now just playing his game. He's not worried about replacing Brian Uh And that yeah. free-flowing offense of the Blue Jays, they were one bad call and one second away from going to the Final Four last year. I think they could be a five seed or worse. They could, If they get the right draw, go to the Final Four. I think the Big East or the Big 12 could get as many as three teams in this year.
0: You know, I rarely fall in love with men, and I rarely fall in love with basketball players. But I think it's love, Tim. I, I think me and Jamal sh- uh, shed. I think it's love. I, I do. I, yeah, I think there's player. love there. I. I yeah. Oh, my God. He's your kind He's your kind of, oh. guy. He's your kind of oh. guy. Tim, I'm yeah. watching I that guy, and I, I always I think remember, this. <laughs> you are the human
2: bruise when you play. You are a human floor. Yeah. Holder. You know, and, and well, it, was that either,
0: it was either that or sit out. So, <laughs> but Tim, I want to go into something. I want to go into something with you before I let you go. And, and it's Houston. Yeah. I always, I, 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 I don't put Houston quite in the NCAA elite eight final four or bust Purdue category. Because Calvin's been there. He was there, you know, last couple yeah. or two years ago here in Indy. Right. But I right. feel like – I, I, I'm, I'm not shocked, but I am shocked that they've been able to come in this league and do as well as they've done. Um, but when I watch Shad, I say to myself, Tim, I would follow that guy if I were a player. Right. I I yeah. thought – I think he's terrific. Yeah, it, it, he is,
2: and he, he is individually, I think, Dan, the – symbol of the culture that's been created you know by Kelvin there. Yeah. And by the way he had that at Oklahoma too. It's not like he didn't. Uh, I remember when Eduardo Nahara there's a boy, uh, there's a name from your your Oklahoma Ooh. past, right? Late 90s early 2000s Ooh. uh played his butt off uh for uh for Kelvin. They uh, they they are I think a more talented version of the way Izzo plays. Uh they've got uh, they've got wing players that are very, very good. Uh, they have an ability to make crucial shots that Michigan State, to this point, still hasn't been able to make. They play the same way; they just play faster. They're a lot faster, and I think that that's a real key. And Shed is just, um, I think, a symbol of that of that culture that he's been that's been created. The problem they have, though, and it's similar to the Virginia problem, even though they're very good defensively and a lot faster than Virginia. Remember, there are always going to be some matchups if they didn't make enough shots. Yeah. You know, they've got to make shots. And when you're playing in an NCAA tournament and it's one and done and you go through that 8- to 10-minute cold spell, in your league you may be able to scout that team well enough to fin that off because your defense travels so well. But in the NCAAs, you don't know what you might run into. There could be some, you know, Harold Arsenault-Weber State story coming up against you, and boom, you're out, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> remember that one, North Carolina, Harold oh, Arsenault yeah. from your NCAA tournament pass.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, you're right. I, I get, you know, I, I watched the, uh, the only game I've really watched, I watched enough a little bit, but was against Iowa state at Houston and they made enough shots. You know what I mean? I mean, they, yeah. they didn't look like they couldn't, but you're exactly right. You, you know? And again, I, I, I'm so married to making shots, Tim, that it's like, you mentioned Arsenal or, or whoever, it's like if yeah. you find a team yeah. that goes, yeah, if it goes, find a team that goes 15, like Indiana, when they went last Final Four, to beat Kent yeah. State in two, 2002, they had to make 15 threes to do it. So, you know, yeah. anybody can win this if you make those kind of shots. So you're, I, you're exactly right about Houston. They, they, they could get in a matchup where they're grinding it out and somebody hits three threes in a row and you lose. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And, and maybe yeah. for
2: 38 minutes, it looked like they were going to win the game. Right? But they never mm-hmm. got a lead big enough to offset yes. a guy that just gets hot in about a two-minute period and hits three threes. Uh-oh, uh-oh. You know, we're in trouble now. Yeah. Right? That happens uh, in the NCAAs. And it's the one reason. You know, I wanted to say this before I left you today, Dan. I wanted to take a – I was watching you the other day and I wanted to make mention of this. I, I really believe in my heart of hearts that not only what's going on with NIL and with, 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 um, uh, the portal is, is, is creating all this havoc and circumstantial circumstances that make it tough, uh, for the NCAA. And I think that the end is near for the NCAA. Here's something I want to throw your way that maybe you haven't thought about. Okay. The Big Ten commissioner and the SEC commissioner are collaborating now, all right? There's conversation. These two conferences are now taking one another's phone calls. That wasn't happening when Kevin Warren was in charge, all right? I believe that we are moving towards, okay, the so-called Power Five types, which would now be four conferences, breaking away entirely by the time we start the new television deal for the college football playoff, which is two years from now. I think we're, we're headed there. And with what's going on with Tennessee and Virginia in those lawsuits that the NCAA has once again lost again, just like they lost on Ed O'Bannon, I think we're going to see the only thing they've got to, 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 to hang their hats on, what, the next three weeks of the NCAA tournament. The NCAA Men's Basketball Championship is what funds everything for them. And they do a great job with it. Dan Gavitt, Dave Gavitt's son, has done a great job with the tournament. Only made it better. But let me tell you something, not only is college football going to get away from the NCAA, but I think the potential uh, within, say, the next five years of the courts saying, you know what, NCAA, we're not so sure. You've been operating outside the antitrust Sherman Act forever, forever. They're going to call into question the validity of the television contract for Turner and CBS, I believe, down the road. I think that could happen. And I think we could see a break off where – those conferences now have, you know, we're, we're going to we're gonna run our own tournament. we got too much money that we can make over the – where's all that money going that we make for the NCAA men's championships? Where's it really going? I'll tell you where it's going. It's funding all the non-revenue producing sports championships. That's where it's going, over 80% of it. And when I heard you talking the other day about, you know, the, the politics of the times, it made me think. Uh, not only is college football's landscape changing big time, But uh, the trickle down to the NCAA tournament and to college basketball is, I I don't think it's that far away. I really don't.
0: You know, this is kind of interesting. Bob Knight said that a long time ago, that it Uh should happen. That why are we messing around? Let everybody have their own tournament. You know, if that does happen, it's. I, I think it could potentially be catastrophic for women's sports. I do. I think it could be. I know women's sports is growing, and my wife is a legend in the world of women's softball, yep. in Syracuse and Bowling yep. Green and wherever. And I'm a big proponent. But I, I, you're right. The NCAA, if they lose the basketball tournament, well, that building, really nice building right here downtown Indy, it's closed up. Yep. It's boarded up. It's yeah. done. I, and, that, and by it, the way, that is over.
2: I, I, to your point, it would make it tough, but I think that. The, that's exactly why ESPN went out and cut that new deal as quickly as they did for the for the women's tournament, you know, to pay them more money because the sport is flourishing in a way that it hasn't in in you know in the last few years. But it's still they it's need still to hemorrhaging ride the money. Of Caitlin Clark, yeah, they do. I, I do think they could do okay, but again, it's um, we got to be aware of these things because uh, the NCAA is finally being called on the carpet for what uh, its its past wrongdoings. And the lack of management, the inability to have the the infrastructure to uh, handle the infractions and the enforcement of these uh, incredible rules that have been put in place years and years ago under uh, Walter Byers. And, you know, they, they got a they got a new guy there that's you know, trying to talk the talk, but he can't walk the walk because his only out is going to Congress. I'm sorry. Congress can't agree. We can agree on one thing, can't we? The Congress can't get anything done. All right. And the Supreme Court could apparently agree on only one thing, and that was that uh, Ed O'Bannon had a hell of a case. And it was a nine nothing vote.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you
2: know, yeah. Yeah. something to think about as we move forward.
0: Man, I appreciate you. Thing I got Fran McCaffrey coming on here in a minute, Tim. Oh, uh I love give, me w- give me gimme one question. Real quick, give me one question. What what, what would you what, ask Coach Fran McCaffrey? Uh, first off, when you get him I tell him uh,
2: it, it's very. It's he's the only coach that I have to give a hard time about not being a better player than his wife. That's number one. Oh, that's Margaret true. Was a better well, his wife could get he it off a, the
0: glass. Yeah, no question. Margaret Margaret was a better no player
2: at Notre Dame than he was. <laughs> and and, and telling this, that Mando said, "Your old partner Brent Musburger used to always. I loved watching Iowa when Brent was calling a game because he, whether it was football with Hayden Fry." Or, or basketball when Dr. Tom was there because he'd say, oh, and the Hawkeyes, Hawkeyes, H-O-C-K-K-K-I-I-I-Z-Z-Z-E-E-E, Hawkeyes, when the Hawkeyes get the win. It's like, you, it's like hocking a loogie when you say Hawkeyes, <laughs> and he always dies laughing. His, <laughs> his face turns completely red when I talk
0: to him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Fred I appreciate McCaffrey. you, Tim. Thanks, my man. Thank you for coming you on. Appreciate it. That was fun. That was a, done, a, I kept you too long, but that was fun. That's the great Thank Tim Brando. I kept him too long. I I, I just like talking to Coach Brando. What, what can I tell you? <laughs> All right, Fran McCaffrey next. Look, um, I'm anxious. Fran McCaffrey's son is dating Caitlin Clark. That must be discussed. No, I think it should. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, the power couple in Iowa used to be Fran McCaffrey and his wife. She was a better basketball player than Fran was. She'd get it off the backboard. And and then uh, his son, who just, Patrick, who just, it's an amazing story, beat cancer and now he scored 1,000 points. But there really, in this country, are two power couples. I mean, let's just call it what it is Jason Kelsey. Uh, No, not Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And of course, Connor McCaffrey and Caitlin Clark, you as the patriarch, uh, you are overseeing this. Is it all paparazzi velvet ropes and champagne bottles? Are you guys the new Kardashians, the McCaffreys?
3: We, We are not. Uh, it has been interesting, you know, for them. Uh, but for the most part, Dan, people have been respectful of Caitlin, uh, there are a lot of folks that are trying to get stuff signed by her and want pictures with her. And that that's understandable with what she's accomplished and continues to accomplish. But she's an incredibly grounded, humble uh, young lady uh, who just is incredibly talented. Uh, I think Connor sort of gets the, the arena that, that she's in and, and is very helpful in that regard. But, uh, you know, sometimes you just you want them to just be young and just be able to go out to dinner and, and, and go wherever they go. Uh, it is an ordeal every time they go somewhere uh, and is if they it? go with a group, you know, the group looks out for them. But uh, but like I said, you know, for the most part, it's, it's been respectful.
0: Because Connor is a popular guy, too. I mean, he's a four-year starter for you. I mean, play baseball. I mean, damn. He, you know, Iowa's a big-time sports town. Iowa City's a big town sports town. They, they love their Hawkeyes. And so, you know, it, it, it is fascinating. But it doesn't affect you. You told me that off the air. It, this has nothing to do with you and your basketball program, really.
3: Oh, absolutely not. And, and we're incredibly supportive of our women's program and what they're doing. The relationship between myself and Coach Bluter, our coaches, our players, they're all friends. I mean, the, you know, a lot of, like I said, when when Connor and Caitlin go out, a lot of times it's our players, their players. Uh, so you know that that's fun to watch. Our players go to their games; they come to our games. Uh, so, and you're right. I mean, Connor was was a star in this town. You know, going back to high school, you know, winning state championships as a freshman and 68 game winning streaks and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, but he, he's, he's also very humble and handles it well. And together, you know, I think they're really, really awesome.
0: Yeah. I think it's really cool. I just remember doing games and Connor and all his buddies would come in with you and they would let your ass go do whatever you wanted to do. And they were in a dead sprint (laughs) to get on the court and get shots up, man. I remember looking at them going, this is freaking awesome, man. All their buddies dominated. (laughs) Yeah. They dominated Carver Hawkeye in the pregame. He did. He did, you know. And lived in
3: the, lived in the practice gym. I mean, I'm I remember when they were in high school, bringing them over here on Christmas Day, and working them out. You know, Patrick comes down the stairs. Let's go, and and that's how you get better, as you know.
0: Yeah, I love that with Andrew. In fact, I remember the last day. I remember walking out of there. You probably remember this. The last day. Well, maybe you get to have Patrick in there so you haven't had a last day. But I remember the last day we walked out of Zionsville's high school gym when he was at Ohio State going, getting ready to go the next day and I'm like, that's it. That's it. A lifetime of working out, rebounding, running after shots, <laughs> bitching, whining, moaning, going to eat after. It's in. It's over. Sure. And it pissed me off, friend, and It actually made me cry. And I don't cry. Well, I, I, that's not
3: surprising. It is not surprising at all. The The, the, the interesting thing for me is you know, I have another one, Jack, who's a junior in high school, so it continued. That's right. But, you know, you're right. You think back to the first time I took Connor to t-ball and then all the baseball trips he took, all the basketball, all the AAU, all the high school, and then, you know, to to be together, you know, we won a Big Ten tournament championship. Uh, you know, when I hugged him after we lost to Auburn last year, that was that was about as emotional as you could possibly get. Uh, and... It's been an unbelievable ride, and the same thing with Patrick. His was his journey was different, and Jack's journey is different, and you know, and and my daughter, who's not playing in college, you know, she played softball, volleyball, golf when she was in high school, and I did the same with her. So, those are the years that you remember uh, above all else. There's no question about it.
0: Yeah. My wife and I, we, this is our first year. My stepdaughter played softball, started for four years at Harvard and we're, and she graduated and we're like, what the hell are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Hey, you know, <laughs> you know like we got, well, we got nothing. Hey, that sucks. Uh, how's your team? Do you like your team? Uh, your, your team scoring some points. You like where you're at right now?
3: Yeah. I love this group, Danny. Uh, we had sort of a core group of guys for a few years and and that was great so this is a different team you know new leaders new roles uh, put some young pieces in there you know two transfers and four freshmen uh and and those those young guys have really i think worked hard to continue to get better i know that sounds cliche-ish but it is so true because you know we have a different voice leading us. Uh, you know we we you know Connor and Bohannon, you know Garza, you know the Murrays who didn't talk much, but they were dominant players and leaders by example. So now, okay, you know Tony Perkins, Peyton Sanford, Patrick McCaffrey, you guys have to lead. And Ben Cricky, you know you're you're an older guy, but you're new. You know and and in all the freshmen uh, who have been terrific i mean owen freeman gonna be the rookie of the year in the league uh, and just watching him develop and that's what coaching is Dan. you did it for a long time you're bringing young guys in trying to get them to mess with the older guys now you're missing mixing in some transfers we've having bronze in there so that's the challenge i think in a lot of ways it's the fun of coaching uh, and this league as you well know the best it's ever been top to bottom so There are no easy games. Every team has really good players. Every team has a really good coach. Every team has a home court advantage. So every time you get a win in this league, it's a big deal.
0: You know, I I, I talk about him probably too much, but we were – when NIL started coming in, Urban Meyer, who was my neighbor at Bowling Green, and I were talking about cities and programs that are good, Columbus, Ohio being one of them. And he mentioned Iowa and Iowa City. He said, you know, one of the places that really could be and should be and maybe will be fixed for the NIL is Iowa City. No pro sports teams. Absolute, rabid, crazy fan base. Is that accurate to say that you guys are in a pretty good spot here with the NIL and all that's going on with that?
3: Well, we have some work to do in that area. We have some very generous people, some businesses that have jumped in. But the thing you have to remember, you know, it's, it's a small state. We only have 3 million people. Uh, we also have Iowa State, Northern Iowa, and Drake in our state. So those fans get splintered. Uh, and we also have football. So that means you have to compensate more athletes uh, than, you know, maybe if you just were trying to you know, take care of uh, 13 guys. So we've got a group of people working really hard To help us, you know, we're actively, you know, trying to uh, connect student athletes with the business community, which quite frankly, as you well know, having been in it a long time, probably should have been happening a long time ago. You know, take advantage of the platform, connect our guys with the business community, let them know and understand what the real world is, and, uh, and then also participate in some of the revenue sharing. So. You know, you and I have no idea where this thing is going to end up. And right now, you know, you could argue that it's a mess because uh, literally there are no rules right now uh, at this point in time. And, you know, so sometimes it only takes a one billionaire to bankroll your program and take it to the next level. And that's not what this is supposed to be. But uh, we're, 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 we're in a good place and we're trying to be in a better place.
0: friend you're an Ivy league guy. You're brilliant. I mean, I know you try not to be, I know you try to be every man and people see you on the sideline and they're like, he's mad. He's crazy, but you're brilliant. Okay. Like I know the big 10 coaches, not one of them would even be allowed on the Ivy league grounds, but you are (laughs) a, so give me, give me the, give me the solution. How does this, You know, how how does this get back if we're going to have revenue sharing or we're going to have real NIL? How does it get back to that as opposed to pay for play? Or can it get back to that?
3: I think the only solution at this point, Danny, is to assume a professional sports model. So that means the players collectively bargain with the NCAA. There has to be a governing body. Right now there's not, as you know. So there has to be a governing body, and the players collectively bargain – and there has to be some, some level playing field. Is that a salary cap? Uh, you know? But once you say a, a young guy can profit from his name, image, and likeness, then you really can't you know, put a cap on that if one person is more popular than another. But I, I do think we have to have some rules that people are following. Because initially it was supposed to be NIL. Separate from pay for play as you just pointed out and it has become pay for play And I think anybody that was in the industry for as long as you and I have been we knew NIL was going to become pay for play. There was no way around that and and so That's what's happened Uh, You know, it's the only sports organization You and I know about that has declared every athlete a free agent at any point in time That makes it really hard to put a team together, it makes it hard for a fan base to connect with the team and the players, not knowing who's going to be back next year. You know, they want to follow a, a college program. They don't want to follow an AAU team. So I don't know that I have the magic answer, but I do think adopting a, sport, a professional sports model is probably a step in the right direction.
0: Brad Underwood told me the other day that he, as a friend, top 25 team, who an agent and a parent came into his office, not Underwood's, but his friend who's the head coach, he didn't tell me uh, the head coach, and the agent and parent were complaining that the player was playing too much. He was playing too much. You ever heard that?
3: No, never. Uh, you <laughs> no. Know, I, I mean, that's kind of comical when you think about it. You know, but I guess. <laughs> no. I guess – you know they're looking at the NBA and they heard the term load management, right? <laughs> right, for right. protecting his health. I guess you know, but you got, you know, you want you want to get paid, you want to move on to the pros, you got to put up numbers. You got to be on the floor. Yeah, but I've never, you know, I've been doing this 41 years and I've never heard that. I
0: know, I know. I've, I'm sitting there going, man, God dang, that ain't my dad. That ain't me. I mean, play me <laughs> until I freaking drop, right? And not that what? Like, exactly. Like, look, what am I saving myself for? Hey, uh, I want to go back to the Big Ten, and I want to go back uh, to your team. You know, you mentioned Tony Perkins, and Tony's a kid here from Indiana. I've said this about you uh, and and John Beeline. Uh, two best evaluators of talent, I think, in the Big Ten. I've, I've said this forever. Like, Beeline and you are remarkable at finding guys. I love Tony Perkins. I don't remember him being a big name around here in India until maybe second half of his senior year. What is your process of going finding kids? Cause you know, you got this Sanford kid who's now, you know, he's triple doubling. I mean, you, you and beeline to me are as cut above in terms of evaluation. What's the process or give me a little bit of the process. Well, you
3: know, I, I think you, you just said a very important word and that's evaluation. So you, you know, we don't go off lists. We don't go off ratings. We go off evaluation. So I, you know, I have a lot of experience. My staff has a lot of experience evaluating talent. Then, of course, the most important thing is character. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're not in a position, oftentimes, Danny, to, you know, to go and and get the top players. You know, like, you know, yeah, we try to recruit Cooper Flag. You know, and. and Things like that. But, you know, at some point in time, you know, you realize, hey, uh, we got to find some other guys. So how do you do that? Well, you're at the same AAU tournaments and uh, you watch them play against each other. But most importantly, Danny, you get to know them because I think character is the number one component in the evaluation process. Is is the young player, is the young guy going to work? Is he going to strive to get better? Is he going to compete? Or is he going to expect something to be handed to him? Uh, Tony Perkins is, is a worker. Uh, he's a grinder. Uh, he came from a great program, played for a great high school coach and Jack Kiefer, somebody that you know. Uh, and so he comes, you know he comes here. we know he knows how to play. We know he knows how to compete. and And you know, we watched him in an event over in Champaign. we went down to watch him for his high school team and it, it, to me it was a no-brainer. Uh, And and oftentimes what you find is, you know, I remember we were recruiting a top 50 player uh, who we were close to signing. And Keegan Murray and Chris Murray were ranked 347 and 348. Uh, And I flew down to watch them. uh, And I just, I said, guys, these two kids are better than the other kid. They're just better. And, And I don't think that makes me really that much more intelligent but I put the time in and I, I didn't dismiss them because of where they were rated and I also knew their dad and their mom and their character uh, and kind of watched them grow up and they both end up being first-round draft picks so you know I will say was Peyton Sanford it was kind of a unique story because I got a phone call from a friend of mine who had watched them and said hey you got to go see this kid so I go see him and he makes eight threes in the game and as you know you know, how many times did your assistants tell you to go see somebody and then they don't play well, right? And you're like, what are you sending me to oh see for? So, you know, I, I think if you truly evaluate, watch the game, watch their impact on the game, uh, get to know them, get to know their family, talk to people around them, uh, truly identify character, I, I think more times than not, you're going to be successful with who you bring into the program. And are they fits? And as you know, Danny, when you bring a kid to campus, he still might not be who you thought he was. You know, So if your team is full of character, guys, they will tell you, hey, this guy doesn't fit. And, and it doesn't happen a lot, but it's happened a few times since I've been here. The guy comes in and our guys say, Coach, you got to send him home. And that's what we do.
0: I got cussed out for sending Bob Knight to go see Calbert Cheney. I did. I did. Did, 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 he, did he
3: score <laughs> I mean, a few points in Indiana? I think he was you pretty good, I, I
0: And, and me yeah. and Felling used to look at night every time he scored 30. Like, remember when you cussed <laughs> us out because uh, we <laughs> sent you to see Calvertine? You know, but you said something important. You put the time in as a head coach, you know, and that's that's why you're successful. I've kept you too long. I root like hell for you. I just, I you is your is your third son going to end up playing for you, Danny? He
3: is not. He has Jack? decided to carve his own path. Jack, yeah, he he's come out yeah. publicly and said, you know, he's he's carving his own path, and it's been interesting because, uh, you know, he's been down to Butler twice. You know, thinks the world of Coach Mata and Coach Joseph, Coach Barlow, Coach Diebler. Those guys they're recruiting him hard, and uh, he's been down there twice. And some other schools are recruiting him, obviously. Uh, Coach Forbes, you know Mike Young, you know Mike has been up to see him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up.
0: That's cool, man. That is so cool. I, I just, I've, I've always loved. I, I, I used to look for it, like back in the day. When's Fran coming? Where are those kids? You know, here yeah. they go. Yeah. Zoop! right past you, (laughs) you know, right there, dribbling, everything's going. Fran, thanks, man. I kept you too long. Always a pleasure, my man. All the
3: best. Hope to see you out at the Final Four.
0: All right, brother. There he goes. Yes, sir. That's Fran McCaffrey, the Iowa Hawkeye. I just like talking to him. All right, you guys see him on TV and you think he's, man, nah, he's just a great, great dude. Always love talking to him. I do. And thanks to the Iowa people for putting out that we were talking to Fran. And, of course, why would you be associated with that guy? Because I'm like the greatest guy in college hoops, if you want to know the truth. I mean, I get it. I give an opinion. Y'all get crazy. You don't like that I criticize your team or whatever. Get off my ass. Anyway, uh, that is Fran McCaffrey. Tonight is a slow night for the most part in college hoops. Michigan goes. But you know what I do have before we go? I got a Dope. How good is this? Woke me and dope me, people. Oh, man. Look at Trump. All right. So this is, you're worthless and weak. This is from, what is it, Caddyshack Stripes. No. No, it's not. It's from Animal House. You're worthless and weak, says the guy with the lisp and the ROTC. Look at Trump. He's not having it. He isn't. No, he's not. I'm telling you right now. He is not messing around. He, ladies and gentlemen, is all up in that ass yo of Biden, and he should be. Hey, is there ever going to be a time where our guy Biden actually takes the rap for some of the stupid that he's doing? Like this immigration or lack of immigration policy. He went immediately and said, hey, Trump, I know you got the border secure, but guess what, man? We're going to get rid of all your policies. Why? Because we feel like it. Why? Why? Well, because our policies enable us to let in people who we think are going to vote for us. You're worthless and weak, Joe Biden. Next! Ow. Oh. Look at what fell out of my... <laughs> that's a little brain. No, that's not cauliflower. No, that's a little Joe Biden brain. It is. It is. It's just a little Joe Biden brain. And he went like this, like Kramer on the plane on the last episode of Seinfeld or the second to last, whatever, he was hitting it, and a little bitty brain fell out. Now he's got that JPR lady or whatever, that DEI hire that speaks for him every day, shoving it back in there. Yeah, shoving it back in there. We need a brain. Give us a brain. Well, there's the brain. Man, I got to tell you, our imbecile-in-chief – is the gift that keeps on giving he is i don't feel bad for him because he's a power hungry slug and his wife is a fraud next we could save 20 to 40 percent or more on everything by switching back to trump man Serious question. I know i got a lot of Iowa people still with me. How many of you have gone to the store? I like going to the store. I'm not going to lie. When I got divorced, my kids lived with me. My wife moved out. She got an apartment. Kids lived with me. So I started cooking. And when you get older, what do you really do? Like, you know, you're in college. You find stuff to do. or You're married with kids. You get stuff to do. But my kids were in high school. They had their own thing. So every day, not every day, but a lot of days after my show, I would drive home, check in, see what was going on, and then I would head to the store. There were two stores. One was called Vacation Marsh, which was a littler store, and then one was Big Marsh, which was out on Michigan Avenue. So I would go so often I got to know the pricing. I would go so often I got to know the people at Vacation Marsh, and it became a good time. And I would cook. Not great stuff. My specialty, according to everybody, is... Is, well, beans and turkey. That's right, black beans. I put some turkey in it, season it up nice, put it on a slab, open face. There you go. Shut up. Maybe some green beans. Don't at me. And then a nice ham mix would always be in there. But that's what I did, so I know the price of groceries. Holy hell, I go still. I went the other day. Everything that was under seven or eight bucks is now over 10. And I'm talking about you, lunch meat. That's right. I'm talking about you, boar's head and others. I'm a lunch meat guy. I could eat lunch meat morning, noon, and night. Honey ham, love you. Pastrami, bring it. American, I'll go with pepper. You name the cheese, baby Swiss. What has two thumbs and loves it? this guy. But I got to tell you, Biden has made me fucking crazy because Bidenomics sucks. It sucks. The big one, the two handed big one. That's right. Think John Holmes. It sucks so bad because you can't swing a dead cat in a grocery store without paying something that used to be under 10 bucks and is now over 10 bucks. Honest to God. Joe Biden economics blows ass. I don't care whether Colin Cowherd comes on my uh, Twitter and talks about how the economy is really good. Don't care. I go shopping. What I care about, grocery prices, energy prices, gas prices, interest on mortgages. That's what I care about. Shut up, everybody else. You care about what you care about. And the fact that groceries are so expensive sucks. And it sucks because that's Biden's crap doing. I ain't happy about it. If you were going to ask me a couple years, uh, eight, nine years ago, you're going to vote for Trump or Hillary, I ain't voting for either. I voted for me. Last election, those two idiots, I voted for me. This year, I ain't voting for me. I'm voting for Trump. You can call me a MAGA. You can call me anything you want, but I'll tell you what you're not going to call me by voting for Trump. You're not going to call me lunch meat over $10. If Trump doesn't bring lunch meat under $10 in his first year, I'll be ripping his ass too. I've always said, I don't want to hear the word inflation. This is from me being a kid and a news freak. I don't want to hear the word inflation. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You heard it in Jimmy Carter. I don't want to see gas prices through the roof, and I want the stock market to be good. Stock market, not bad. Stock market's pretty good. Gas prices suck, and, of course, inflation is insane. Now, I understand. Well, what about inflation? Now I'm into immigration. If we're going to let every criminal from every South American country and China come into our country, you suck as a president. Biden, you suck. Period our imbecile in chief, Bidenomics. my ass. No, seriously, I got two words for you, my ass. This is a fun show today. I didn't have to do a lot of talking. We had great guests, but you know what? We always have great guests, don't we? I mean, seriously, Beth and everybody involved in getting the guests, you guys are outstanding. I'm going to tell you something else, what sucks. You know what sucks? I can't promote Johnny Kitzinger, little 5'10 guard at Illinois State, who's the best freshman, most clutch freshman in the country. Why? Because the guys at the top will be out there poaching Johnny Kitzinger. That sucks. Anyway, I hope everybody <laughs> I hope everybody has a great afternoon. And I don't know if you saw this. Congratulations, Indiana State. Robbie Avila, the big chunky kid who wears glasses, rec specs, dropped 35 last night at Evansville. And guess what? Indiana State, for the first time since 2000, clinched at least a share of the Missouri Valley Championship. I would argue, give me the top three teams in the Missouri Valley in the NCAA tournament. Let's eliminate the ninth-place team in the Big 12 or the eighth-place team in the Big 10. Just one man's opinion. Just one man's opinion. I just saw this, too. This is odd to me. I'm giving you a little potpourri here. I'm giving you a little Rudy Martsky here. I just saw this. Did you know that in some of these NFL draft ratings, Spencer Rattler is, is listed ahead of Bo Nix and Michael Penix? Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. All right. See you.